Today, we have a very special guest with us, Sergio Ferreira. He is a good friend of us, of ours. He, we have grown to know him. He's making big moves. We would, were excited to have this conversation with him and get to know him a little bit better. So stay tuned for this episode. Welcome to another episode of Same Page. I am Ninal Simajist, and this is my lovely wife. Sarah Simajist. Today we are so excited. I've been looking forward to this interview with Sandro Ferreira, and he's been part of our lives, actually for, for most of our real estate journey. So for all of our viewers, Sandro, can you please introduce yourself? Yes. So I am so pumped and honored to be here. Uh, oh man, like you guys inspired me and keep inspiring me in so many levels. You know, those couples that we look, it's like, oh man, this is wow. The power couple kind of couple. So this is what you guys are for me. So I'm so excited to be here. And yes, I've been following your journey. So I am originally from Brazil, moved to Canada in 2010 started my journey knowing nothing about real estate other than what I saw in Money Sense and magazines. And then finally in 2019, the pandemic was my time to scale up and find education. And wow, my life changed since then. And it's like, I feel sometimes that I'm uh, almost in a dream. You know, like, am I in a dream? No. Am I in a spaceship? Because the speed that we can get things done when I have the education, the collaboration, and groups like and connect with people like you guys is just making history. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. So how did you even um, hear about real estate? So you weren't really in real estate before. I know a little bit about your journey to here, um, but how, do you, how were you introduced to this world? Yes. So in Brazil, real estate is for the wealthy. Like, it's for the wealthy. It's not available to the average people. Um, so the, the rules there are different. You cannot really leverage real estate the way that we leverage here. And I remember that the first time that I read Rich Dad for Dad, I was in Brazil. And I said, like, oh, this is amazing. But it just, for me at the time, it just sounded as a, like a romance or, you know, like a, beautiful book of history or whatever because the rules are completely different. So when I moved to Canada and I had the opportunity to buy my very first property uh, with the help of CRA, I mean, just a disclaimer, okay? <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Okay. And I tell people, don't do that. You can get in trouble. Yeah. Okay? So basically, so I got here in 2010 and then a friend of mine, also from Brazil, a few months out later, he bought a house in a beautiful house in, in Gatineau. So I came to him, and the, so first of all, the judgment, you know, the judgment, oh, he comes from wealth. So daddy helped him. Uh -huh. So I asked him, so oh, it must be nice to have like a rich daddy. He's like, are you crazy? I bought it my own effort. My dad did not help me. How did you buy well, I went to the bank. There's a special line for newcomers. Uh, at the time, um, Scotia Bank, BMO, CBC, the big banks, they had a special 
uh, line of credit or mortgage product for newcomers. Uh, I said, oh, but I'm new here. So this was the catch. So I went to the bank and they, of course, said no. Um, and I said, okay, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I talked to my guy. So when he introduced me to this guy, the guy told me that I could buy a property 5% down. So, what? Yes. And at the time, he turned to me, that was 2011. So I got here, August 2010. So this was like mid-2011. And the guy said, I can buy a house at 300000 Really? Um, but then I had that thought. Well, I'm going to look for a condo. Because worst case scenario, if I'm flipping burgers at McDonald's, or I'm, I don't know, Tim Hortons, I should be able to pay. Because it's cheaper to pay mortgage. But I did not have the money for the down payment. So what did I do? The money that I was saving to pay my taxes for the year, Mm-hmm. I basically had this brilliant idea of using it as a down payment. Okay. <laughs> so then I used for the payment. And then my, the accountant said, well, you can't do that. What do I do now? Well, I'll call CRA. CRA. I was saving the money to pay my taxes, but I don't have the money. Can I split payments? Mm-hmm. CRA said, yes, yeah, send me 10 checks. So basically that's how I bought my first property. That's awesome. And that was my click. Say, ah, I can leverage that here to be well. And I like to read, and I read a lot. And every time that I see successful business people or successful investors, they all are building the wealth through debt, yeah. leveraging that to get richer. So that was my cue. You know? <laughs> awesome. So you you mentioned something very creative right? Um, you're, you're kind of leveraging the debt that you owe to CRA and buying your property and then calling and saying, hey, I don't have the money. How, what can I do it, right? And yes. from knowing you, I've heard of some deals that are very creative. So how do you come up with this creativity? Because I've heard deals that you bought that people passed on, but you figured out a creative way to make it happen. So where do yes. you get that creativity from? Well, a few factors. Uh, so one, I am a avid reader, right? So number one. Uh, number two, of course, uh, because of my belief system. So as a Christian, I believe in God and, and, and I believe, you know, that there's a power of that. But it's also like a mindset thing. Because when I, you know, like I see everybody else grinding and it's like, respect the grind, let's go, all about the hustle. I always step back and say, but why though? Like, why have to be grinding? Why have to be hustling? We gotta, like, we gotta find another way. And that's when I understand, uh, talking about my my belief system, about the grace, right? Because when you have grace, it's literally not that you're sitting here and things are gonna happen, but it's just tapping into that realm of like a superpower or superior power that I call God to really help understand like who I am as a person and how can I get things done. Now, of course, when I talk about this, it can be very generic, but basically I do this way. So if I see something, okay, okay, and I see this property, and I like I really dwell. You know when people talk about meditation, or you should read, read the Bible, or read a book and meditate, I do that, but look into the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then I start thinking, what is in this opportunity 
that nobody see it. And then I go and I think, think, think and look, and then I circle back and I come back again. And then I and then like to like the divine revelation that I can try to do this. And people say, you're crazy. But then you think about, you know, the Elon Musk's and you think about the um, Steve Jobs and not that I'm comparing myself with them, but what do they have that I don't? Nothing, like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, and they're just very creative and they're on top of the people that when somebody tells them, no, you can't, they say, oh, I'm going to prove you. So I'm almost like, it's more like an act of rebellion and I grab their way, right? They're, oh, I can't do it. I'm going to prove you wrong. You know, I don't know if it's the best approach, but that's basically how I was wired since I was a kid, just to be that against the statistics, you know? Mm. I mean, if you think about the fact that I came from the hood in Sao Paulo, no hope, my parents didn't have like high education, you know what I mean? Like grew up in the church, very traditional. So like that's it. And then you start thinking, kind of trying to do better was almost like a sin. No, money is wrong. Money is the devil. Uh, wealth is the devil. You know, all, all that, those things. Like, well, why though? Why have to be that way? And that questioning is what really helps me to understand how I can use that like questioning side of myself to turn into good and get things done. Awesome. So you really, I'm getting your creativity from um, understanding that there's like, um, first of all, your faith, but understanding that there's a higher purpose sort of thing and you're able to do it. Yes. Okay. Yes, because, so uh, one, one, one thing that amazes me is that like, and I coming from Brazil and being here, uh, being in the U.S. as well, North America people are very transactional. Mm-hmm. It's all about the transaction. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Okay, let's go to business. And then, you know, I'm like, can I be relational? No, 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 no. You cannot be relational. And then I meet a guy like Alfonso who is like relational to the core. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he's a successful dude that's a relational. What is he doing? And then I watch him and it's like, oh, he did this way, this way. Can I tweak a little bit? And I try to do that creativity. Now, there's one factor that I have to also take in consideration that in Brazil, I went to law school. So when you are in law school, they really teach you how to read the underlines, you know, like to read in between lines, how to understand the gray. And the gray for a lawyer, it's legal. If it's gray area, this is legal. If it's not illegal, it's legal. So having that way of thinking, you know, coming from a, ba- a law background, I literally using the same skill set uh, into real estate to look to things and try to see there's a way to get things done. Even if I'm walking into the fine line, <laughs> hey, if it's gray area, it's legal. So I'm <laughs> As long as it's legal. Exactly. I love how you said, uh, how you brought the, the, the fact that it's all about relationships and it's all about, you know, the, 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 the relational part of it. And one thing that I've noticed in your journey is that you figured out very quickly, you, you mentioned speed at the very beginning of this, uh, of this interview. That's, so, like, you understand that you need people in order to grow. So how did that develop? Oh, man. You know... 
people very often in the circles, uh, either in wealth genius or other groups, people talked about. You have to leverage other people's money, have to leverage other people's credit, have to leverage other people's time, and then ends there. And then I'm thinking, what about leverage other people's deals? What about leverage other people's skills? What about leverage other people's relationships? What about leverage other people's reputation? You know what I'm saying? And then, so I, I go that step ahead. Why not? And like, is anybody doing? Not really. Wow, I'm gonna try. And and but again, when you're doing something with consistency, you attract people want to do things with you, and that's when. I do things with intention. So I'll give an example. I was in a conversation today. Uh, uh, we we're having the coaching training and then refreshing out. So I was there. And I was talking to one of the guys there, and he was asking me how do I choose my team players. I said, well, I don't choose my team players. Actually, they choose me. Mm-hmm. And I have just to accept. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, I am out there, and I've been loud. So one example I start reaching out to people like you guys who has a successful podcast and like, hey, your podcast is amazing. Wow, <laughs> you guys rock and I'll be following you guys and I'm there. It's like, oh, thank you. Hey, by the way, I would love to be there. Yeah, maybe. Hey, guys, I want to be there. <laughs> but I do it in a way that I'm like, oh, Sandra just being sad. Sandra is crazy. But then it's like, you know what? Let's have the crazy guy here. And then when I actually start talking, mm-hmm. then people realize that it's not just being a bubbly personality, but I also like I actually have substance. Yes. Right? yes. So all of those moves, they're with intention. When I come in a conference and I come in like, wow, Sanders in the house. And <laughs> why do I why am I doing this? Well, one of the, the key things that I've I'm, I've learned that like we get to get known, mm-hmm. right? So when people go to the conferences, it's literally either love or hate. Some people either are like really like somebody like with that personality or like don't don't like at all. But then these people that are say, "Oh, this guy is crazy," and I approach, "Can you get in a one-on-one? Let's get in a one-on-one." And then very often we enter the call. Wow, Sandro. I'm very surprised. Like, man, you know what you're doing. You know your stuff. You did your research. Because I have, I know that. So that's the intention behind. Mm-hmm. To get the attention, I have no problem and admit that I love the attention. I have no problem in saying this. Mm-hmm. Growing up, my parents said, shut up, be quiet. Why do you want to be the center of attention? And that was a bad thing growing yeah. up. And then I said, well, this is who I am. And I like the attention. Give the microphone, and I will do it. It's showtime. Mm-hmm. But then when I get from that bubbly moment and bring it to a one-on-one, then I actually have the ability to then now be more, you know? Yes. Uh, now is the transaction time because the relational, the relational part is already built. Yes. So then creating that trust and then getting to the numbers and you show that you know what you're doing, then becomes much easier. And that's when you see people with certain skill sets that they come to me and say, oh, like, can we do this together? Because I think you bring this to the table. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's do it, right? And that's how I've been able to, bring, to grow uh, my business so rapidly using this uh, ability of not using people, but collaborating with people. Of course, of course. Yeah, and like, um, 
I know we've had this conversation personally about your energy, and I, 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 I don't know if our viewers really understand how contagious and infectious your 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 energy is. And um, I really want you to. Uh, I know you, obviously, like you just touched touched up on it, how um, intentional you are with that. But I just want you to take it a step further and 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 just share with us how has that being having this infectious energy uh, benefited you in business. <laughs> wow! Uh, I say this because Canadians in general are more reserved, okay? So, and we have this stereotype thing. And I mean, let's not, let, let, let's just be honest. Let, let's just be honest. People, they they have some preconceptions about certain stereotypes. We do too. I, I do. So when I meet people from certain cultures, they're already like, I know how that goes. And then goes in a different way. Oh, so that's how people are. But one thing that I already know in this I find that people, they put me in a certain category when they don't know me. Right. Oh, this guy should like, he is like this. Now, once you know our strengths and you also know our limitations or liabilities, and you can, do, so I, I know what my limitations are. So I know what my, my, my um, not the limitations and also my, strength. the word. My strength. So I really use them with intention. With intention, okay. So because I am so aware of it, even though that when I'm doing certain things that people think that's silly, I do with intention behind. So everything that I do, I do expecting a certain result that usually goes the way that I'm thinking. Therefore, most people they're not aware of that. And when you use that, but with the right intention, the heart, right? Because it can go both ways. You can also uh, abuse of that uh, awareness yeah. and really, you know, use for the, the bad. But when you, you bring that, the reason why I think that I've been successful in what I'm doing is because I understand that most people, either they say or not, they like to talk about themselves. They also like attention. And I don't care what is the if he's a, you know, a deep person, like a very uh, objective person or more reactive, not everybody, they like to talk about themselves, they like to talk about their accomplishments. So I started training myself in sales and I got very good at it. Mm. And then understanding the personalities, right? So, man, literally coming from a place where when I joined uh, the community and when we, we met, and I had $130,000 in debt between credit cards and line of credits. You know, I was able to build a portfolio to date that is eight figures portfolio, but I'm not doing by myself, doing with people. But because, you know, when you understand people's characters, you literally understand how to do with people. That's the greatest benefit. Like this really is going a long, long, long way in my journey. Because then I can concentrate on things that I'm good at and then let's say I partner with you and then I know you're good at the numbers and then I know that you are good at, I don't know, talking to tenants and I'm good to talking to investors. Okay, let's have our uh, tasks here very well defined before you jump in so then there's no struggle later on. And then you build the partnerships. Like I have 
different partnerships with many different people. Like, how do you manage that, Sandra? Mm. Well, because all the expectations, they are already set up before you get into the transaction. So you establish the relationship and then you know exactly what to expect once you're into the transaction. I mean, I, I cannot say that it will always be perfect, but knowing that really mitigates many challenges that I see people facing because they got into the transaction before getting to the, 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 the relation. Right. You know what? Um, I admire you for jumping into deals with, um, you know, with different partners, because that's something that we've been a little bit more reluctant to do. Um, we do have partners on some deals, but um, just like you said, the relationship is so important, right? And I feel like, well, at least for me, I kind of have to know the person so deep because essentially it's a marriage, right? All the yeah. way through the deal, what until you decide to sell, basically until you don't have that deal together. Um, so I admire you for like jumping in and doing these partnerships and making it work because not everybody is um, has the um, ability to do that. Um, so one thing that I like to do is I like to provide value to reviewers by giving them like something concrete. And by that is that, for example, like you're, as far as I know, you're very creative. So I want to know what the most creative deal that you've <laughs> ever done. Okay. So I just closed actually uh, this Friday uh, project in Ottawa. Okay. Congratulations. So, Tell us a little bit more. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, so we're going to So I saw this property that came up on MLS for $2.9 And then, like, right on baseline, I was like, oh, wow, I like this deal. But uh, before getting to that, I just want to give a little bit of a backstory, okay? So my journey, bought a condo, bought another condo, tried to buy another property in the bank, said, get out of here. Your debt ratio is way too high. <laughs> Nobody's going to give you money. Okay. And then I start thinking, thinking, thinking. Oh, an idea. I can just invite some friends then. So a group of friends we got together. Hey, guys, I cannot buy the property just by myself, but you buy together and leverage your credit, and then you get into the deal. Boom. We did it. In 2018, we bought a property at Mount Drive, steps away from Algonquin College, mm -hmm. to rent the rooms for students. And then what happened next, the following year? Boom, pandemic hit. Okay. Then we had to pivot. It's like, well, we're not a rooming house because rooming house, they have a really bad connotation. Mm -hmm. We are not a student housing now because I'm walking is shut down. How are we gonna do this? Well, let's pivot. Let's focus then in young professionals. So doing this way, I am not looking for people that just need a place and an assistance. Nothing wrong with that, but it wasn't the, the approach of the property. And not the people that are making too much money. So people that they're making enough, but they want to have some, some, you know, some space. Okay, we did the pivot, myself and my two partners, and it was a success. While I see so many properties with similar approach being vacant for months, we actually have a waiting list. We created like a lead generation system that provide us consistently 365 days a year, five to 10 leads every single day, qualified leads, people actually looking for a place. So then this property came along and fits exactly into the category of that, you know, student housing, but now I know, I know is uh, young professionals. 
So then I, I went to see the property and it was a purpose built. So it was a fourplex with 20 bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I like that. So they have 20 bedrooms. Now, I put an offer. And my offer was $2.4 million. Offer was accepted. Mm-hmm. Now, how you bring investors in the middle of pandemic mm-hmm. into a student housing? Like, it's not possible. Right. How you bring investors that are used to the multi-units into rooming house? That is not happening. So then I start thinking, well, I found a niche here. We work in a niche market. 20 bedrooms equals to 20 units. Okay. So then I started talking to investors. I have a 20 unit modern co-living under contract. This is the modern co-living. We are in the era of shared economy, right? So it's literally as when you go say, oh, this is a mobile home. No, this is a tiny home. It's like, oh, tiny home. <laughs> but it's the same thing, but it's the wording. And then the way that I structured the deal, it's like, well, this property I'm buying for 2.4. How am I going to raise half a million dollars to do this deal? Mm-hmm. Simple. 2.4 million divided by 20 units. That's $120,000 a unit. Okay. So I'm going to pitch my investors saying you can invest in the collective of the deal per unit. Mm-hmm. 20% of 120000 is 24000 You can invest in one unit, two units, three units, four units, how many units you want. Mm-hmm. So it's such a simple math that I really didn't have to explain much. These are how much you put in. It's how much you get monthly in cash flow. And then, of course, the bank asked for an appraisal, and the property was appraised at 1.3 million above asking price. So then like, the conversation with the investors became very simple. Uh, and because I like the way, and again, the way that we structure every other deal is the same, but the way that I was able to unpack all the technical information of you know, when you do the due check or the evaluator and cash on cash and ROI and return and, you know, DCRs, all of that technicality and literally break down in a way that my seven-year-old was able to understand. I was able to raise, like, fully funded for this project mm-hmm. uh, and we were able to finally close last Friday. So it was creativity. Now, it wasn't the most creative. It was the, the, the recent one, but I purchased the property. I think it's one of That was... 2022, 2021, a property that was in uh, Quebec side. Everybody in the community looking to that property. It was a private flex for sale for $170,000. Mm-hmm. And everybody would go and look and then would bring telephones around. Yeah, the numbers, they won't work. And then I started asking to myself, well, it, like, it's got to be something. we got to find a way. And then I went to visit the property and then I learned that they had oil as uh, there's a heating system. Mm-hmm. Well, just by converting the oil into a gas furnace, oh, they don't have natural gas. They have propane. Propane is cheaper than oil. Converting to propane. Right there, I was able to increase the income. Mm-hmm. Then, the big space at the back, they had like a garage. Oh, I wanted to put like some wood there with like a locker, and then we rent as a locker. Mm-hmm. Wow, why not? So just tweaking what they had there, 
and I was able to change the ROI so that I, in my negotiation with the seller, uh, I asked for VTB, so 20% VTB, enough to get the loan from the bank. Mm-hmm. And then we did the turnaround and I was able to sell the property for 300000 like four months later, like four months. Wow. And the property was sitting there for like over a year and no one either didn't see that or didn't really, I don't know. I, I, I just found, you know, when I look at the property, why nobody's buying this property? I just didn't understand. So nobody told me that I couldn't do otherwise. Right. I was like, wow, I'm going to try this. And it worked. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so very creative way as doing as well. So one thing is being creative in how you do the deal. Being creative how you sell the deal. Those are the two things that I really, uh, like, is a mastering that ability in understanding the difference of how do I buy and how do I sell. Not selling the business in the sense of how I sell to another investor, but how do I sell the project to investors to open the wallet and give me the money to conclude the yeah. business, right? Because again, comes the relationship, and then comes the, the trust. And then once you do it, I already, like, funny, funny story, a true story. One of the investors said, no, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to get into one. That's it. Mm-hmm. We finished the deal and I've been doing, you know, feedback and getting back. He called me the next day. Okay, I have another two hundred thousand that I'm ready to deploy. What is the deal? Wow! And it's just like what? <laughs> and I couldn't believe. It. And then I asked him, "Why now?" Because I like in the beginning, I was you know struggling because I have to have a lot of conversation to understand. Because people just like, "Where are you coming with this crazy math?" Right. Like guys, I'm just being creative. Look here. Yeah, it's way too creative. Oh, it makes sense. And then the same guy, no, I'm ready. Let's go. Like, okay. That's, you know, you're showing the money. <laughs> and I think, I think as you speak to different people about your project, um, there, there are more questions that come about that you may not have thought about in, in the past. So sometimes, like, your first conversation versus your 50th conversation, you're a lot more confident as well because you've talked about it, you know the questions and you just, it's just practice makes perfect, right? Um, yes. So that, that also helps, I find, you know, as you, you know, talk about the project that you have in hand. Um, I want to kind of lead into, now we talked about the most creative you've ever done and you give us two great examples and I'm hoping that the viewers can learn from that and also use that in maybe one of the future deals. But one thing that I like to talk about as well is real estate is hard. You know, it it can be very difficult, it can be draining, um, and especially um, sometimes as a couple, you know, um, you get into arguments about the real estate and then it affects, you know, your, your, your relationship. So there's, there's a lot at stake when you do it by yourself and when you do it as a couple. So um, one thing, the first thing that I want to ask is, I want to hear about one of your biggest challenges that you've had, whether it's a deal that you know, didn't go the way you wanted it, or um, whether it's, you know, um, raising capital, whatever it is, something challenging so that the viewers can sort of relate to us. The biggest challenge for me, believe it or not, is the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest challenge because I am overly confident, right? So I do things with intention. So for example, let's say we have a boot camp or a seminar. So when I come in the room, 
I come like loud. <laughs> Yo, everybody! And then I'm like, oh, who is this dude? But again, like I do with intention, they will not forget me. And that's why I do it, right? I don't know if you know this, but if you go back to all the mastermind videos that we have with Alfonso, every single mastermind that, I, that I'm on, I have something to say. Yeah. Sometimes I even say things that are silly that I shouldn't really say because I don't have nothing else to say. But why I'm doing this? Because I want the attention. That's what I'm looking for. Why I'm seeking for attention? Am I that needy? No. I want people to remember me. So then, as I progress in my journey, and I have an opportunity to get in the house, these people, they're like, oh my goodness, I gotta do, do with this dude. However, and I'm going through this like right now. Okay, so I'm gonna give an example. This deal, very creative. Uh, I put that deal on the contract in January the 20th, and it just closed. Okay. 16 amendments. Wow. wow. Like everything that could go wrong, it went wrong. And then finally, we got to the finished line. Wasn't the finished line. The work was just starting. So listen, like, this is crazy. The company that was managing the property, terrible. They're way too big. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, part of me just want to say their names, but I can get sued, so I'm not. <laughs> but they're horrible. They're horrible, horrible, horrible. They... Horribles? Horrible. Sorry? I was like, how many horribles? Said- oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They, so the possession date was the 26th, which was Friday. They, no, 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 not the 26th. Am I crazy? Today is the 19th. Okay. So Friday was the 6th. Oh, I'm so lost. The 6th was a Friday, like a few Fridays ago. Okay, so no, 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 it's like this Friday. This Friday. Oh, oh, yeah, so um, that was the 16th. Okay, so the 16th of the possession date, or the actual closing date. On the 15th, they disconnect the internet. So then I go to my lawyer and say, uh, we didn't even take possession of the property, they disconnected the internet. So, well, legally, they don't have the obligation because the internet is not, a utility, even though that I'm renting a unit with the internet, is not included, so they can do that. And I did another project that was similar, and the seller said, no problem, just want to extend the internet for a week, and then the, whatever parada or whatever money left I have, I sent to the bill and pay. Great, so that was sort of where I was going. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, we are having such a hard time to get internet back. Now, we took possession on Friday. Today is Monday, and the tenants, they still don't have internet. And then it's a nightmare. Emails flying. It's a nightmare. And then today, as I'm going through the messages and the emails, and my two partners, they are working their neck off. A sec. <sighs> Guys, you think this was a good move? Like, you crazy? Like, everything that we went through, and because of freaking internet, you're thinking this way? Why? Because all that I was thinking in the back of my head 
is that now I have a $2 million mortgage mm. and I'm the personal guarantor, mm-hmm. right? And then on then it's threatening to leave, etc. This is normal. Just to remember everything else that you went through. Now, how do I overcome this challenge of the imposter syndrome, right? I keep going back to the gratitude journal. I keep counting my blessings. I keep reminding myself that I got to Canada with the basic French. It was a, like a crazy hack. There was a, an immigration hack that I did with my French. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any English. And I self-taught myself French. And I self-taught myself English. Like, I did, like, it was much harder than just dealing with the freaking internet, right? Mm-hmm. So I keep reminding myself. But sometimes it's very difficult to find the motivation. And that's when I talk into the community. That's when I get in the calls with Leonard and other members and like, dude, and like, you know, it's, oh, I'm, doing, I'm doing fabulous. But, and it's not because I'm faking, you know, because when Alfonso say, don't fake it, because fake is fake. You behave, so you become. So right. some days that even when I'm not feeling fantabulous, mm-hmm. I say aloud, I'm fantabulous. I and I look to me and I smile, you know, it's, Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and that happens, you know. So that's how I, I, I deal with that imposter syndrome uh, challenge that I had. Good stuff. And so continuing with the uh, with the theme of uh, of challenges. So how has real estate and some of these challenges that, that have come up affected your relationship? <laughs> it has. Oh, yes. Of course. Okay. Okay. I don't know. So think about this. So my wife, she is a violent girl. She grew up in the bush, you know, like in Pembroke area. Yeah. My, my, my grandparents love them to death. They are bureaucrats. They build their career working for the government, you know, work until 65. Her mom worked until 65. Her dad worked until so he was like 57. So for them and their generation is to find a good job in the government, you work your way up, and then you retire and you live comfortably. And then in my head, I don't want to wait until 65. I want to fight in no freaking way. I'm not gonna wait. So having that background, and like my wife. She moved, so we've been married for nine years. Mm-hmm. She moved more in nine years <laughs> than her other 30. So we met, when we met, she was 29. So we got married, she was 30. Anyways, let's say 30. So she moved more in nine years than in 30 years. Wow. She never moved. She grew up in the same house. My mother is still living in the same house, like almost 40 years later. So such a contrast, right? Mm-hmm. So then my in-laws, they came over and then my mother-in-law said, I'm going to ask you something because, you know, I'm doing, and if you guys following me, I'm doing deals very often. Mm-hmm. So my mother-in-law asks me, well, I see you doing those crazy things. I hope you're not leveraging your primary residence. <laughs> yes, I am. Andrew, <laughs> like, this is crazy. This is a wrong, this is the wrong answer. Well, this is the wrong question. <laughs> I'm leveraging everything. I'm leveraging everything. It's all or nothing. Like, and I say, I do either and rich or broke. There's no like middle ground, mm-hmm. right? But here's the challenge because my wife having that background and she 
She supports me, but she doesn't get involved mm. at all. She, it's not her thing. But then sometimes we have the accountability conversations. For example, this past weekend, you know, she looked into the bank and saw one of my line of credits maxed out, like maxed out. <laughs> and back to the six figures that again. And then she say, well, before this crazy thing, you're freaking out with the 130,000. Now that you had in your mind was to be debt free. Mm-hmm. And I was obsessed with the idea of being debt free. Because I had no, I had nothing else, right? So now she said, now we have the line of credit alone, over a hundred thousand, one of them, and this multi-million dollar mortgages, mm-hmm. and you're just looking for the next property. What am I missing? What is the money? What changed? And that's, and I have to be very careful because I can say sometimes, especially when I know what I'm talking about, yes. it can sound condescending. And I'm not a condescending person, but how I come across, it, it come, can come as a condescending. It's just like, well, Henry, let me tell you the why. It's like, don't talk to me if you're coaching. Don't talk to your wife. But, and again, even though she is not involved directly. I always keep her on the loop of everything I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it's still, we create a friction. So i give you another simple example. For me, I'm going to Brazil in two weeks mm-hmm. for a business trip. And I bought a ticket to go in first class. <laughs> um, but then in my mind, well, that's 11 hours flight, yeah. and I work hard, and this is a write-off anyways because of business trip, okay? Then she goes and buy a toy to my kids, and I freak out. Mm-hmm. It is like, in terms of price, you cannot even compare. Right. Two completely different prices. So then it's like, how does it even make sense? You buy a $5,000 ticket. And that's fine. And then buy a hundred bucks store and you're freaking out. But then, for me, yes, because the 5000 is a write-off. Mm-hmm. The $100 store is not. Right. Right? So then I also have to choose my battles. Yes. Because uh, she supports me. But the way that we, the business evolves... I have to take in consideration that she's not directly involved. So we have to have the celebration and celebrate these small wins. I like I'm a like I'm a budget freak. She's not. Like I know, I know growing up, what is go hungry and don't have food. And my mom put, you know, my, my myself and my my siblings together and pray, like waiting for the miracle of somebody knocking the door with the food. My wife, like, there, work for the government, my in-laws. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they're very flat line. So, you know, when so, you are watching movies, somebody dies, it's just like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and myself, somebody's a heart attack. Like, <laughs> so, the cultural difference and plus the mindset in terms of business, so very, very challenging. How do you overcome this? Having very open a transparent conversation. It doesn't matter how much it's going to hurt, you know, but it's very important to have those conversations because mm-hmm. then 
is in our north, of course, we don't want to lose everything. But there's the risk. The risk is there. What if it happens? We have each other. Right. You know what? You say something that um, I often say to myself when when I'm freaking out, when, you know, you look at your line of credit or, you know, you're looking at all these deals that you bought and how much, you know, good debt that you have. Um, And you're you're absolutely right. There's a risk in everything, but it's a calculated risk. Right. Um, You could be very wealthy from there. Or you could just, you know, stay your status quo and don't take any risk and retire at 65 and um, live a life where, you know, um, that's, you know, fairly uneventful, right? But I always tell myself, you know, if everything goes wrong, everything goes wrong, literally Leonard and I are still together. We still have our son and we'll find, we'll have a place to live, you know? So um, we'll have food in the fridge. So in, in a grand scheme of things, I feel like um, we don't have as much on the line as a lot of other people do. We're still very blessed that the worst is that you still be fed and you still have a roof over your head. You know, that's that's pretty good for the worst case scenario, right? Um, so that's a really good mindset to have. And that helps you kind of keep going um, in your journey. Because if not, then you can you, you will stop, right? With all the risks. Yes. And this one thing that I, I, I keep telling myself and telling the students, telling people, we have two choices in life. Either step forward into growth and it can be simple but not easy. Mm-hmm. Or step back into safety. But safety is also illusion, right? So then, because I've seen people being trying to be safe and then something happened and then, then what? Then it's gone. So it's like, you know what? If there's the risk exists either way, <laughs> I'm stepping to growth. Mm-hmm. I'm tapping into like faith, right? Uh, I always use the example for somebody questioned me the other day, why do I have so many partners? If I'm using Jesus mathematics, like what? Like, yeah, he took five loaves of bread and two fishes and fed 20,000 people. I'm doing the same with real estate. <laughs> I'm splitting and, you know, distributing and, and yeah. I want to make sure that I don't get that by myself. Like, you know, it's funny. And I mean, everybody has different faith and different belief systems, but it's almost like this. You go to school and they tell you two plus two is equal four. If the guy's an engineer, oh, it can be five. And then comes, you know, Jesus mathematics. No, it can be 5,000. Like, what? Two plus two cannot be 5,000. Well, if we look into our journey as a real estate investors, we literally create things out of, like we create resources out of thin air, right? And having the mindset that I have the power to create is so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you think about a kid, it's literally, the, there's a commercial on TV that I think is for Cialis or Viagra or something like that. That is like, like I, every time I go back and I watch, because there's a bunch of like these spermatozoids running and then they attach, it's like, millions of them running and then one way man the battle started back then i'm the one who won so nothing else will stop me you know and having the mindset that you can overcome overcome things and make things happen that's literally how i try to live my life you know (laughs) i love it i love it um sandra we could literally talk all night long i feel like we're gonna have to have a part two at some point your growth is amazing just from knowing you from before 
um, not from before real estate, I guess at the beginning of your journey until now, um, it's such an honor to call you a friend. It's an honor to watch you grow. It's an honor to have you on our show today. And um, I'm sure all of yours will get a lot from this interview. So um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, how can they do so? Yeah, please follow me on Instagram, Sandro Canada. So Sandro, okay, let me make it easy. Sandra with an A, right? My with a no. So Sandro Canada, which is our country. So Sandro Canada on Facebook, Sandro Canada as well. TikTok, Sandro Canada. LinkedIn, Sandro Canada. And I even have a website, sandrocanada.com. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. So I encourage all of viewers to, to follow you, to follow your journey. Um, Sandro is the type of person that will give lots of value. So reach out to him. I'm sure he would love to um, hear from you and um, get feedback from this episode. And um, until next time, don't forget to live your truth.